Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Ray also reminded me that human beings find it very difficult to maintain their psychological equilibrium in artificial light, having evolved in the sun for hundreds of thousands of years. So Ray helped me design a system, which I patented, which allows the sunlight to leak in through a series of tunnels and mirrors. Genius. And I wanted to share that genius with the world. Why shouldn't everybody have a personal assistant, teacher, therapist with an eye on the future? Hello, everyone, and welcome to This Week in Streaming, a decoding TV podcast uh, where we talk about stuff that's streaming on the air. And if it's good, we will tell you what happens at the end of it and whether we liked it or not. I am David Chen. Actually, I'm not David Chen. This is actually David Chen's voice simulated by AI to tell you whether this show is worth watching. (laughs) Joining me today is Jesse Earl. Yes, and I'll explain later, but right now I need to start a fire. So, <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the podcast, folks. Now, uh, I want to start by saying, first of all, um, this podcast is coming a little bit later than I uh, would have <laughs> liked, uh, but the holidays were very hectic for both Jesse and I. Uh, we are aware that the finale for the show aired weeks ago, uh, but... Uh, for those who wanted to know whether it's worth watching, we are here to tell you. We're also here to talk about the ending. Uh, but before I get to that, I just want to remind everyone you can find more episodes of this podcast at podcast.decodingtv.com. Email us at decodingtv at gmail.com. Find us across all platforms at decodingtv. Uh, on the curse podcast tomorrow that is going to – or uh, this weekend that's going to run on the podcast feed – uh, we're going to talk about uh, Patrick and I are talking about a, a weekly decoding TV show that we're planning to launch in the next few weeks. So I do want to urge you to check that podcast out, and we'll have more details about that in the weeks to come. Uh, before we spoil the ending of A Murder at the End of the World, though, Jesse Earl, uh, let's just, in a non-spoilery way, share with people whether we think this show is worth watching. What do you think, Jesse? I think the show is ultimately incredibly fine. It's not bad. Like, I I enjoyed watching it. It's shot really well. The acting's really good. There are some really tense and intriguing scenes. But overall, it just becomes rather kind of what we exactly what you expect it to be. The twists and turns are not all that shocking. It's the end revelation is also fairly predictable. Um, and, And I came away just kind of not i mean we, we we spent a fair bit of time before this podcast started recording trying to remember the exact events of the 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 show um and i think that that kind of speaks a little bit to it where it's just it, it's it's fine in the moment but overall just doesn't really leave me with any huge lasting impression and i think it has some cool things it wants to try and say about ai and capitalism um but ultimately it, it doesn't really put that in a wrapper that is super intriguing i think we are uh, like almost completely on the same page about this one mm-hmm. uh i think that uh there, there's a lot to like about the show mm-hmm. I, you know i'm a fan of the creative team behind the show uh brit marling is in the show and she's wonderful in my opinion like i'm, I'm a big fan of her work but uh, 
the the mystery is fine. You know, it's not yeah. it's not terrible. It's fine. Like it's not bad. It's really hard for me to recommend this show. Uh, yeah. And the the big issues are first of all, a lot of it is really cheesy in ways that we will discuss <laughs> in uh, very cheesy and kind of goofy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think probably the biggest crime that this show commits is it does almost nothing with this rather interesting cast of characters that it introduces us to, right? Yeah. Like, at yeah. the very first episode, first two episodes, we're introduced like, oh, all these interesting people that uh, that uh, Andy Ronson has invited to his billionaire retreat. And I'm thinking to myself, oh, this is going to be like an Agatha Christie-style mystery where we, like, learn about how the Countess – Barely escaped from her kingdom with the blah, blah, blah. You know, like, and we learn mm-hmm. about, like, why each of these people is is awesome. Now, we do learn a lot about them via exposition delivered via an, <laughs> you know, AI device. Uh, mm-hmm. But we don't really get to know them as individuals. And they are basically completely sidelined after the first few episodes. I mean, we yeah. some plot developments happen, but we don't really... Uh, I, I didn't get emotionally attached to any of them, uh, unfortunately, and um, and that's I think the biggest issue is it really becomes the Darby Hart show, and it's not a very interesting show, I think, uh, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. So that's my big issue with the show. Now, there's a lot to like the show. I think overall looks very good. Like, yeah, it looks um, gorgeous. Actually, it's one of, I think one of the most beautiful shows I've I've seen in the past year. There's some really great concepts in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, for instance, in one of the episodes. Uh, they use like LIDAR to try to solve the crime. And that was like really cool. I had like never seen anything really like that before. Mm-hmm. And so it's not like there's no interesting concepts or things in the show. Um, but at the end of the day, it, it's hard to know who to recommend this to. Like if you're really into sci-fi, I think it's a little bit too slow and ponderous to really enjoy that much. Or it's it maybe too involved with its mystery to enjoy that much. And if you're into mysteries, it doesn't, it's not as pleasurable as a lot of the other mysteries you can find. Like I even like, I would argue like Kenneth Branagh's like Murder on the Orient Express, you know, is like a better experience than than watching the show. And this show is mm-hmm. a pretty big commitment. It's seven hours long, you know. So yeah. at the end of the day, I can't really recommend it, but it's not terrible. That's kind of how I feel about it. It's not like <laughs> yeah. you know, there's some there's some shows we watch and I'm like, that's just bad, but like it's not bad, it's just not good. Um yeah. so I I'm very torn about it. About it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah, yeah, the, the other thing about it is that it, it has a lot of these intriguing ideas that it wants to play with. Like I mentioned, it has AI that it wants to discuss. It wants to discuss like capitalism and the sort of this idea of ca- like people with a lot of money trying to build shelters to run away from the world and um, and and also trying to tie that into our fascination with true crime, which which it feels weird at first, but I think it actually kind of gets there in the end in a in kind of an intriguing way. But it never really draws them together enough, or like really pulls them out enough to feel like it feels like it it made something definitive. Like I can see the connections that the writers were making. Mm-hmm. If you get what I'm yeah. trying to say, but it's it's it never feels like it coalesces into something like grand or like oh wow I see how this intricate web of themes really just comes together. Yeah, like ideally they're introducing the true crime theme, and ideally they're introducing mm-hmm. the AI theme, and ideally at the end it's like oh I see how it's all connected in the end, and it it mm-hmm. never really it it feels oh, like a it. bunch of disparate ideas as opposed to like it's all coming together in a big way. Mm-hmm. Uh, I completely agree. So uh, anyway, those are our overall thoughts on murder at the end of the world. Uh, there's there's some good stuff in there. It's not like there's nothing good in there, 
but it's not a show that either of us loved. And also, I think it was a really good call to not cover this week by week. Um, I think it would have been pretty tough to, to do that. Um, so yeah, those are our overall thoughts, but we have a lot more to discuss. Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. The number one selling product of its kind with over 20 years of research and innovation. Botox Cosmetic, out botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, headache, eyebrow and eyelid drooping, and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com. All right, Jesse, let's talk about the actual finale. We are now going to be in full spoiler territory. We're not going to do a full recap, uh, detailed recap, but we are going to share like some impressions of uh, the show and also talk about the ending and how the mystery resolved. So mm-hmm. in the lead up to the the finale, I just want to mention a couple things that I really appreciated about the show. Uh, first of all, as I mentioned – uh, I th- there's a scene where like I think it was episode four or five where Andy invites Darby to solve the crime with him and I'm just like I don't know why we didn't start at this point um, but anyway mm. and he's like I have a lidar scanner that goes out like every few seconds and and it creates this like map of the entire facility and I was like wow what an interesting that was like when I felt most in tune with like. The mystery yeah. and how how cool it could be. Like I I saw the full potential of how cool it could be to try solve crimes using modern technology. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So uh, did you did you enjoy that scene as well? Or I thought that scene was really interesting, and and I was kind of saddened too by the fact that it didn't uh, kind of extrapolate that even further into some of the ideas that it was playing with because. That is a big, powerful technology that a like someone like Clive right. Owen's character has. Like he, there's even a moment where we can see someone in the bathroom, and it says, "Oh yeah, it automatically filters that out." But I was just sitting there being like, "But you have the picture. It just is ultimately like it's just censoring right. it." For, it's like for how you Google Maps watch. like censors faces, basically, right? Exactly. Same, same it's like concept. they still have that info, and so it just like, this is an invasion of privacy. And he like yeah. kind of says, "Oh, I don't look in people's rooms." But that's just the thing he says, and I, and I thought the next like logical right. step right. in that was that going to connect that to like he is overusing this to spy on people, right. or even like the AI was going to like be using it, even though maybe Clive Owen didn't. But it never really brings that up, and so yeah. it was like it was a really cool concept, and they clearly spend a lot of time on it because it's like this whole effect. Um, but it just it feels like it didn't lead anywhere more interesting, and that kind of again, it's just the whole problem with the show. Where it's like that's a cool idea, but you never connect it to all your other cool ideas in ways that feels like they would make sense to yeah yeah uh i agree and that's kind of one of the mo's of the show 
Mm-hmm. Random uh, thing I want to bring up. Uh, Louis Canselmi is a character actor who's in the show as kind of one of the one of Ad- Andy's like body men. I don't know if did you mm-hmm. see Killers of the Flower Moon? I did. I did. He was a he's an actor that's in that movie as well. And um, was he in that one? He's basically a he plays a character named Kelsey. He's a very mm-hmm. frightening individual in that film. Yes, um, I, yeah, I remember. Yeah, okay. and so. Uh, <laughs> Uh, so I just it was just uh, he's chilling in Killers of Flower Moon. So it was just wonderful to see him again in mm-hmm. a show acting and kind of playing a similar character, in my opinion. Uh, yeah, yeah. So and then the other thing I wanted to say that I really enjoyed about the show leading up to the finale is uh, it's just fun to see Clive Owen lose it. You know, like it's <laughs> it's fun to see him just get really pissed and like angry because. Uh, he does a good job. He's he's a great actor. He's a great actor. Um, mm-hmm. And I think he saw some uh, potential for this show to demonstrate his range. And I think he he was able to do that. Um, before we talk about like what actually happened in the finale, Jesse, any any uh, moments in the show stick out to you? Um, one one that I again a really great scene in isolation was the scene where they had to do like the tracheotomy because of the helmet mm, yeah, um, yeah, that yeah. was on uh, Sean's head at one point. And I think it's like episode I think it's episode four or maybe three I forget exactly yeah. when. But a character has a helmet stuck on their head that they can't get off and it's airtight. Yeah, which was just a like what a what a crappy way for someone to potentially die it's just like you can't get this one helmet off and you're surrounded by air um and so they had to do an emergency tracheotomy just to get her air while the helmet was there which was just it was a very like tense scene that i i thought it was fantastic i I really loved it 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 was pretty good and and what was great about it too was you're like i don't know who caused this like i don't know who Mm -hmm. is is the killer responsible for this like i i really like that that scene as well um Mm -hmm. so yeah uh, again, some like nice things leading up to the finale that I, th- I think were mm-hmm. worth worth highlighting. All right, so we get to the finale. Um, there's this joke I like to use, Jesse. My my <laughs> wife loves murder mysteries. She mm-hmm. uh, rewatches all the Poirot, Agatha Christie. She listens to Agatha Christie podcasts. Like she's oh. really into them. And uh, there's a there's a an episode of Futurama where Zoidberg. Uh, is playing the detective role, and he says, "I've gathered you all in the accusing parlor while I slowly solve the crime." You know, and like, and so <laughs> a- anytime we get to the end of a mystery, I'm always like, "They're in the accusing parlor, right?" Um, so, <laughs> they, and they quite literally are. So yeah. at the end of the show, they all gather in the accusing parlor while Darby slowly <laughs> solves the crime, right? And uh, we learn that what ended up happening is short version of the story. It's the same ending as Will Smith's uh, iRobot, right? <laughs> basically, yeah. basically, oh, wow, it's yeah. the robot that recognized that something was a threat and it decided to eliminate the threat. So it, it decided that Bill was a threat. Bill was working with Rohan. They both needed to be eliminated. And so uh, they uh, the, the robot, the AI robot Ray, or uh, not robot, he's, a, he's just an AI. Yeah. The, the AI Ray used Zoomer, the name of Andy's son to execute an elaborate circuitous plan to murder Bill and Rohan to protect mm-hmm. Andy's interests, right? That is mm-hmm. what ends up being the reveal at the end. You might ask, how did Sean die? That was actually just an accident. <laughs> <It turns out laughs> that was just, I, I, that was a red herring is my understanding. Yeah. 
I do, I do actually like that. I like that when there's like murders being like, oh, how does this all connect? It's like, yeah, that one just, that one just happened. <laughs> it's fine. <laughs> that was just you to know. throw you off. Like that wasn't actually yeah. related to the thing. So, <laughs> uh, okay. So the AI did it, Jesse Earl. The AI mm-hmm. did it. And, 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 you know, we commented about at the beginning of this, uh, podcast series about how the show is weirdly dated. And I re- it's, I have to imagine – I have a lot of sympathy for the creators of the show because I have to imagine it is painful to write a show like this that has many ideas that are prescient. And then mm-hmm. in the time since you have written it and the time when it comes out, all those ideas immediately become outdated. So, for example, yep. Darby at one point uses a deep fake voice of Andy Ronson – to like reveal the truth of what happened, right? She's like, "Hey, actually, I got your voice on this device, and it can now." I, David Chen, have cloned my own voice using AI. I've mm-hmm. already experienced what it can do. I've cloned my co-host's voice and just like played around with it, and we've we broadcast about that before in the last year. So when I see Darby do it, it's like, oh, that's not a big deal, and also kind of a cheesy way to resolve. The way she does it is so theatrical. It's kind of like a cheesy yeah, way to do yeah. it. Uh, but I ima- like I try to imagine like would I have reacted any differently if I hadn't already cloned my own voice and seen the power of the technology and you know what I mean like um, yeah. and we've been talking like about AI the last year and like the potential for AI. We've been, it has been a constant topic in tech media. Um, mm-hmm. So I do feel bad for the creators a little bit. Um, Jesse, what was your first reaction when you learned that Ray was the one responsible? I mean, my reaction was like, yeah, oh, of course. <laughs> like, it wasn't, it wasn't shocking in the slightest, especially because like, as, as we talked about in those for the free section, like, we hadn't really gotten to know any of these other characters. So there wasn't really anyone else up right. on like, uh, that could have really felt like, oh, that would have been earned. Like Ray was there the entire time. Mm-hmm. He was this weirdly soothing presence for Darby throughout the entire thing as right. well. And her like partner in terms of trying to solve things. So it was, it was the most dramatic option and one that was easily kind of tying into a lot of the things that the show wanted to say and yet because of that and because they didn't offer up any other interesting alternatives it, it just kind of felt very perfunctory when it happens like oh yeah and i guess the 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 shocking part to me quote-unquote shocking uh was that uh, he used the uh, kid to be able to do it, which was a little messed up, and and I, I thought that was sort of an interesting right. yeah. concept to play with, but ultimately, yeah, it wasn't really shocking. the 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 element of it that I did like, though, that I I thought was at least something so unique to a degree for this show is typically when we get like AI killers, like as you said, in like iRobot or, you know, even like Terminator with Skynet or whatever. Um, it's it usually like the AI becoming self-aware and wanting to protect itself or like mm-hmm. coming to some determination that like, ah, humans need to die or whatever. Um, but here it kind of was uh, Ray not becoming sentient in any way, but just following a logic path that it, he had been set down by uh, Clive Owen's character who like talked about Bill in therapy privately. And then that sort of set Ray on a logic path towards like, Oh, this is going to hurt my interests as an A like to survive because the company will be hurt. And and that's when it decided to do it. And so it was, it was just this like weird mixture of like therapy bot and like 
technological like uh like tying into businessy stuff that was that so, was his original sin jesse was combining yeah. was combining those two don't combine your business interests with your therapy that's really what it's, the lesson of the show is you know exactly so i thought that was a somewhat unique idea that it wasn't like a sentient ai it was just a logic path followed through like just how the weird alchemy of how that particular ai worked which was nice but other than that it was fairly perfunctory to me it's making a point that I think is a really useful one in today's mm-hmm. day and age. Uh, I assume you are familiar with Universal Paperclips, Jesse. Yeah, are you familiar? Yeah. yeah. So for those who don't know, Universal Paperclips is a is a game uh, that you can play. You can download on iOS. You can go to the website, play it right now. I would strongly recommend it. Um, the user – I'm reading from the Wikipedia page. The user plays the role <laughs> of an AI programmed to produce paperclips. So mm-hmm. initially you're like clicking and making paperclips and you're like – What's the point of this game? But then as you know, as the program expands and continues, um, the AI is forced to do increasingly outlandish things to fulfill its quest. Like, hey, destroy all the world's forests to create paperclips? Yes, that's my mission, so I'm going to keep doing it, right? Like, um, dismantle humanity, human civilization to make paperclips? Of course, you know, like, whatever. Mm-hmm. Like, it's going to – even though you're not, like, programming the AI to kill everyone, you're saying – Hey, make paperclips. Like seemingly innocuous tasks can be misinterpreted and actually result in catastrophic uh, consequences. Mm-hmm. So that is an important lesson, and I think like we all need to learn it. And even if you're just saying to AI, "Hey, hey, make the best. Uh, let's have the best financial quarter of the company possible." You know, like if you, that's what you tell the AI, like you'd be surprised at what it might want, want to do at some point. And so that's mm-hmm. that is useful as a uh, lesson. Um, yeah, using the kids pretty messed up. I gotta agree with you on yeah. that. Um, yeah. And it's also like <laughs> it's strange credulity a little bit because I'm like, the, really, the kid wouldn't have said something like, "Oh, he died right after I injected him with something," you know? Like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> like that, would, never, that wouldn't never. have ever come That's up in point. conversation, you know? Like, yeah, um, yeah. I, I will say I give them credit then for not making him kill Sean because then it's like. Well, that would have been really unbelievable that, like, he interacts with three people, they die shortly afterwards, and no one quite, like, that that never comes up as a thing. But two Mm -hmm. is probably the limit. And with the hacking of the heart thing, like, maybe he didn't even have to, maybe that was, like, abstracted for him, right? Like, he didn't even um, understand. Like, make the connection. He he didn't need to fucking physically inject someone with something, which is what he did to kill them, Yeah. Yeah, uh, <laughs> yeah, it is a little bit. Now that you say it, it's one of those like things you don't think about until you like sit down and think about the plot to her. And I, I, I did. I was like, oh yeah, that's interesting. <laughs> but yeah, it's kind of weird. It's like, oh yeah, I injected with this thing. We were playing doctor. We're, we're and playing then he died. doctor, it's, and then he died. And it's like that. Really, that didn't come thing. up. Yeah. That didn't come up at any point. And then you know, anyways, whatever. So, uh, but yeah, I, I appreciate the 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 message of it. Um, mm. Which is, hey, be careful about the AI. Uh, now, one thing we didn't talk about, Jesse, was we did get a resolution for the opening scene flashback or whatever where mm. uh, we go back in time and then learn what happens when they confronted the serial killer, uh, which is the serial killer. We were wondering, like, how did they survive that situation? The serial mm-hmm. killer off themselves. That's what happened. Like, yes. that's what happened yeah. at the end of the scene. They off themselves. Don't even see their face. They never said yep. a word. They didn't need to pay that actor very much. I think is kind of what it come down, what it came down to. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I, I guess I am curious. Like, do you think? Do you see any connections? 
What is the function of the flashbacks for you when it comes to how this show ended? Was it just to kind of build up Darby and Bill's relationship or was there anything else there? I think, again, it kind of goes... Kind of goes to what I was saying before is like, I think there's some interesting thematic ties that I think they wanted to make because the way it ties into the plot of the murders going on in the present day is in Darby's book, Bill in blood sort of circled right. the faulty programming bit uh, when she was referring to the faulty programming of serial killers. Um, and there's this sort of like a voiceover thing from the book, I believe, where she's talking about how women are devalued and like the how serial killers have this sort of faulty programming and how they sort of uh, wish to like control and destroy women and that sort of thing. And and I th- and again, it's one of those I see the idea that they were trying to get to because they're trying to connect these ideas of how capitalism devalues people and how you know people like Clive Owen's character like build these bunkers to try to save themselves without worrying about anyone else. They can the, you know the whole idea of it's easier to imagine the end of the world than the end of capitalism and tying into how AI devalues people and how that connects into, uh, you know, how he was trying to protect his, the business interests of the company to protect itself. And so this like devaluing of human intimacy and, and people all through like the devaluable women of serial killers. Like I, the, the, the ideas are all there on the table that I can see the, like the strings that they were putting together as they were sort of like writing the show, but it never is like made really explicitly strong within the plot itself. Mm -hmm. It's just sort of like, here's a bunch of themes that we'll throw at the wall in a bunch of different ways, but never connect them within the actual structure of the story to really draw them out and make the audience really feel like, Oh, this is how all of these things connect together in a really intriguing way. It's just sort of, things sort of shot at the show and, and are just left there on the table. So yeah, it's, 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 it's an interesting idea and it's definitely something that I, I appreciate like the, the sparks uh, of concepts that they're playing with, but yeah, it just never coalesces anything greater than the sum of its parts. Yeah. Like I, we spent so much time in those flashbacks and I'm just, I, mm-hmm. I wondered if it would have been time better spent with like the present day characters. Yeah. Cause it's yeah, like, exactly. I don't know that we learned that much more new about the Bill Darby relationship in like all, like we, you know, uh, and it's weird. Cause like we're meant to, you know, the tragedy happens in the first episode. So I guess we're meant to like mm-hmm. feel a kind of like nostalgia or melancholy for it after the fact, as opposed to, Oh, now we, we grow really attached and then the shocking death occurs. Um, but Whatever the case, I agree completely with you, Jesse. I will also say this other thing. In general, um, so- something that I've seen a lot is there's been a lot of people like Sam Altman and OpenAI and other people who are working in AI that have been – they are on the forefront of leading the charge about like why AI is dangerous, right? And mm-hmm. – uh, like, hey, be careful! Like, AI, you know, AI could cause a nuclear holocaust. Like, it, it could destroy the internet. And they're like, be careful! Um, and that alarmism has been met with quite a bit of skepticism mm-hmm. by uh, people who study technology. And the reason that is the case is, in general, when people say things like, "Hey, be care- be careful with AI," they are saying like, "Hey, regulators, we are inviting you." to regulate AI. And in general, regulation helps incumbents, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at least when it comes to tech, right? In general, regulation makes it so that if you're Facebook or uh, Meta, I should say, or Apple, like you, your entrenched position becomes even more dominant because uh, people who have fewer resources can't get around the regulations or can't 
ma- manage the regulations and so on and so forth. I just think that's really important context when we're watching a, move, a show like this, wh- wh- whose conclusion is, hey, like, if you're not careful, AI could kill us all. Like, you know, mm-hmm. And it's like, who does that – I, I would urge people to ask, who does that message benefit, right? Mm-hmm. Because often when you regulate something like AI, you're choosing people like Sam Altman at OpenAI – to run the regulatory body or advise, you know, they're the ones who are making the decisions about like what actually gets regulated. Mm-hmm. And uh, just look at it, look at his congressional testimony to see like how receptive lawmakers are to his, uh, his ideas, you know? So ultimately I think there is a, like AI alarmism or AI skepticism at the heart of what this show is. Yeah. Uh, and I think we should just be careful about like who that benefits. Jesse, what do you think? I know, I know we didn't we didn't like I didn't brief you that I was going to like talk about this. No, no. Like, yeah. It's something I've been thinking about too cuz uh uh I'm trying to think minor spoilers I guess for my own stuff but it does deal with AI to a degree as well. Um and for me it's this similar Your idea own stuff you're talking about your uh your upcoming my, the film, film. So, Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Not not to necessarily promote it. It's just been something that I've been thinking about yeah. a lot, and as I think a lot of people are. Jesse's and working on a me, film called Identities that will be on Nebula. <laughs> okay, just to be just gonna get the plug in there. All right. <laughs> I wasn't gonna promote. Go ahead. Go ahead. More, more yeah. just saying. I've been thinking about. It. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, follow me there. Um, but uh, but yeah, no, I've been I've been thinking about it a lot because for me the the issue with AI is it sort of it's it's the way we program it now is less uh, of a concern in terms of like, oh, AI itself is its own old unique problem that is going to lead to the end of the world. And more that how we build uh, the ethics around AI is is right now an extension of capitalism and exploitation and trying to devalue human connection, human labor and human value, um, which is what capitalism ultimately tries to do. It just devalue the person in order to extract labor from them. Um, and so like trying to think about AI in a more holistic way that is more inclusive of understanding humanity and, and enabling personhood. Whereas a lot of what it's trying to do today is like remove human connection. Um, and I think that this show kind of touches upon that uh, in some interesting ways of like, you know, the therapy bot of, of um, Ray and how, you know, I can keep thinking, forgetting his character's name, so I just call him Clive Owen's character. Yeah. Uh, Andy, Ronson. Owen Andy ca- Ronson. Andy Ronson, thank you. Uh, how he sort of says, look, we can replace it with therapy, but because he connects it to capitalism, it de- it sort of utilizes it in a really messed up way. And so I I, I think that that's the idea of AI that really interests me, of, of how we sell it as this like future of human connection. But in reality, it's just an extension of capitalism that devalues human connection. Um, and can kind of, that's, that's where I am concerned with AI. And I found this show to have some cool ideas within there, but ultimately again, not coalescing it. And yeah, I think you're right. I think it does kind of behoove the show to kind of talk more about the, bro- if it wanted to focus on AI to talk about the broader context of like who gets to control AI, who gets to control that conversation, right. Um, and it doesn't really because it's trying to touch upon. Yeah, it's, it's trying to be a murder things. mystery. You know, like that's the thing mm-hmm. is like those are re- everything you're saying is like really big, complex mm-hmm. ideas. And it's ultimately a piece of genre entertainment, you know. So it, it, mm-hmm. it, was there a form of this show that could have done some of the stuff we're talking about? Maybe, but it would have been extremely difficult to execute, you know. Yeah. Um, so instead we get the situation where the AI did it. You know, that's kind of what mm-hmm. we end up. And that's that's it. There's no... 
I don't know that it fully, you know, explores any more than that. Like the AI did it, so we got to be careful of the AI. And literally, literally, the resolution to the the situation is they uh, explode it, right? They like burn it to the ground, right? That's that's mm. really what it is. Like we need to go without the AI now. There is a tension because I would argue they've spent a lot of time showing the AI doing cool things during the show, right? <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. Um, but I think it's like intentionally to make it to make you as the viewer complicit. You're like, oh wow, it's so cool, like that the AI is. Wow, maybe I could integrate. The, imagine how much benefit I could derive from that. And then it's like, but what if it kills people? And then it's like, oh, mm. I, I guess I shouldn't do that anymore. Make up your mind, show. No, I'm just joking. I, I think, I think you know, it, it does do a good job of complain, conveying that complexity, which I think does exist, right? So. Yeah, and I think actually, too, that kind of goes to the filmmaking aspect of it as well, because it, you are right. Like all the stuff it shows with the Ray and the AI, like the fact they can go into people's rooms, the whole like uh, like LIDAR stuff that, that it has is filmed super well and super interestingly. But then this finale, I guess maybe to me, it just felt kind of underwhelming. Yeah, vis- visually kind of, inert, the, right? A, yeah. A, a, like compared to everything else that happened in the show, right? Yeah, and I would have wanted to, like, if their ultimate point was like, hey, look, we made the spectacle of AI as, you know, people trying to sell AI often do, but actually it's it's really this insidious thing. Uh, I would have liked to have seen that matched in the filmmaking, but really it kind of just plays it very matter of fact, which it kind of undercut, I think, the message a little bit. It was It was odd to me that, the res it felt very um it felt like the resolution derived its understanding of the technology from the eighties like terminator yeah, yeah. terminator style like mm-hmm. in Terminator James Cameron, you gotta destroy the machine like it's a mm-hmm. physical thing in the real world, destroy it, and I'm like. Andy doesn't have like 18 backups of this, you know somewhere yeah. else like yeah. is really destroying this one computer room gonna solve the problem you know it's it's very weird yeah. to me that that was the so that was presented as a solution unironically. Um, I, I don't know. Did and actually get- presented as like a, is actually presented as like a revelation because they were trying to hack him at one point. Yeah, they're like, actually, no, we <laughs> can just destroy the servers. And they're like, open it up and destroy, the, see the whole room. Right. And it's like, uh, really? There's no, like, I, I thought, you know, where we get some post-credit scene. Maybe there was and I missed it. But I thought we'd get mm. some post-credit scene where like, you know, Andy's iPhone turns on and it's like the AI is still there or something. Maybe it was. Mm. I don't. I don't recall anything like that. Did you? No, I don't think so either. Yeah. The finale was the the final scene was. Guess what? She wrote another book, and this time people did come to the reading. You know, oh, I mean, they came to the yeah. reading the first time, but mm. slightly more people came to this one. Is kind of how <laughs> Yay, it all ended. Slightly up. more readers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and at the end of the day, Jesse. Isn't that all what we all want? I, I guess that's actually probably the most realistic part of the show. Is yeah, yeah. is um, you can work your you can go through a massive ordeal in which three people die, and write about it. And at the end of the day, all you can expect is ten to fifteen percent more people are interested in your work. Right? <laughs> yeah. Feels as a YouTuber that feels all too real. <laughs> I'm Way laughing to keep from crying. Um. So exactly. anyway. Any other thoughts on Murder at the End of the World season one slash finale? I don't think there'll be a season two, but like finale of the show, anything we might have missed that's worth talking about? Uh, I think the only other thing, just to briefly offhandedly mention, we didn't even talk about it, but the fact that like uh, Zoomer turns out to be Bill's kid. 
uh, mm. is, is, oh, yeah. is like a, a strange revelation that like even apparently Lee, uh, Zoomer's mother, is like shocked by in the finale too. She's like surprised when that comes up and like didn't – weren't you the one having an affair with Bill? Like what, <laughs> what was happening there? So yeah, it was <laughs> – it was very weird to me. So yeah, it, it was I, – I, I guess it garners a mention in that it was sort of this big revelation. It doesn't seem to play too too much into, the, into things uh, except for maybe informing – um Clive Owen's anger but yeah why why he might feel threatened right by Bill um, yeah by Bill but um you, you know I I think the reveal the way that Darby finds that out is probably <laughs> classic <Yeah. laughs> you know Brit Marling's Albert Manglage you know reveal which is mm. that Bill has a now this is real I looked this up mm-hmm. it's called I, I literally thought they were making it up for the show I was like that's some goofy ass shit that they made up for the show, but it's literally <laughs> a real thing. It's called Achu syndrome. Achu stands uh, for autosomal dominant compelling heliophthalmic outburst. Someone really tried to make that algorithm <laughs> or not that algorithm that, um, that uh, um, uh, acronym uh, uh, acronym work. <laughs> uh, where she finds out that you know Bill says, "Oh, I have Achu syndrome," you know, which is basically that. They uncontrollably sneeze in response to sudden exposure to bright light, typically intense sunlight. That is an actual thing. And then you find out that that Zoomer also has that. I mean, the kid is called Zoomer. You know, like you kind of understand yeah, like yeah. what kind of show this is. But yeah, that is such a goofy idea yeah, it, you know it's just especially it's, the way it's done too like she opens up the curtain yeah, and she, then the kid sneezes and it's like the end of the episode it's like that's the end revelation it's like oh god he sneezed at light it was it was it was quite comical there's this gif of uh that's very famous of antonio banderas in the movie assassins like leaning back and like really happy with himself are you familiar with this yeah GIF? right yeah, yeah, yeah and yeah. whenever i see something like that i feel like when <laughs> The screenwriters discovered that there was something called a chew syndrome. Uh, they like leaned back really happily and were like, "This is so beautiful! Like, I'm gonna. This is the linchpin of the entire like penultimate episode." Is uh, you know Darby discovering that this is actually Bill's kid? Uh, but it's so, it's so like that, that. That's the thing is like the show needs to kind of grind to a halt for a split second for Bill to explain what it is. Yeah, and then it's such yeah. a weird thing where, like, I, I think in an in an ideal mystery, you're looking back and you're like, oh, like I didn't I didn't realize mm-hmm. that that was a clue the whole time. But when this show does it, it's like, oh, like that's so out of the ordinary that I can't help but think that was like a weird moment. And now that you're like, that was the clue the whole time. Like, it's certainly good for remembering it, but it's not subtle. Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, I mean, the better way to have done it would have been like have the kid sneezing the whole time and have it be like at the end of the season that right that you're like oh and, like he's been sneezing, uh, oh, yeah, he's yeah. sneezing the whole time and i didn't yeah. i didn't catch it even though it was explained in like episode two right, right. um but it, it literally comes the revelation comes in the same episode that we're told it so it's just sort of like oh, right wait, it's just like you were clearly it. just setting that up for the yeah mm-hmm. and, and you know that's it, the show is not that subtle you know that's that's yeah. one of the things yeah. like the show's not that subtle and and i think on the on the the way you could characterize it positively it's just very earnest right it's a very mm-hmm. And I think they make very earnest work. And so like yeah. and and I don't wish to discourage that, but sometimes it does feel a little bit silly. So mm-hmm. anyway, if there's nothing else, Jesse Earl, uh thank you so much for chatting with me about the show. 
thanks to people who uh, I, I had a couple of people reach out to me saying they enjoyed our coverage of, of the first two episodes and have been waiting to hear what we thought about this finale. So um, hope you all uh, found that conversation to be somewhat enjoyable, even though neither of us really loved it. Uh, but there's some interesting stuff there. Mm-hmm. Jesse Earl, until next time, where can people find more of your work on the Internet? Uh, well, they can find my movie that I just casually promoted earlier. Uh, but yeah, no, I, I'm working on a movie that will be released later this year that'll be out on Nebula, so you can check that out. That's the streaming service that uh, I and a bunch of other wonderful YouTubers are on. And then I'm also on YouTube under Jesse Gender if you want to see my video essay style of stuff. Uh, secondary channel called Jesse Gender After Dark where I do uh, stuff more akin to um, – to what we do on this podcast which is review tv shows and episodes and things like that uh and then i'm on twitter and all the social medias and all those things all right uh i'm david chen she is jesse earl uh and we hope to be bringing you more podcasts together in the year 2024 stay tuned to decoding tv lots more to come until next time goodbye subtle results still you but with fewer lines Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, is a prescription medicine used to temporarily make moderate to severe frown lines, crow's feet, and forehead lines look better in adults. Effects of Botox Cosmetic may spread hours to weeks after injection, causing serious symptoms. Alert your doctor right away as difficulty swallowing, speaking, breathing, eye problems, or muscle weakness may be a sign of a life-threatening condition. Patients with these conditions before injection are at highest risk. Don't receive Botox Cosmetic if you have a skin infection. Side effects may include allergic reactions, injection site pain, head eyebrow and eyelid drooping and eyelid swelling. Allergic reactions can include rash, welts, asthma symptoms, and dizziness. Tell your doctor about medical history, muscle or nerve conditions including ALS or Lou Gehrig's disease, myasthenia gravis, or Lambert-Eaton syndrome and medications, including botulinum toxins, as these may increase the risk of serious side effects. For full safety information, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. See for yourself at BotoxCosmetic.com.